I'm pausing because I kind of have to gather myself before delivering this sermon. In today's sermon, we are looking at depression and discouragement. And we are not lumping those two things together or saying they're the same thing by any means. But I believe that preachers as servants of God bringing his word, we have a duty not to shy away from difficult topics or difficult passages of scripture. And some of what we'll consider today is difficult. You may find it upsetting. You may personally be suffering from depression or with impaired mental health. The chances are high that there are those among us who fall into that category. So let me say right at the outset, there is hope. And hope is key. The two Psalms we're going to consider today, Psalms 42 and 43, they both end the same way, with hope. The final verse of both Psalms is identical, and it reads like this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. There is hope. And I can testify to God saving me from mental illness. But this isn't a, uh, hey, everything's going to be golden kind of sermon. Because I can also testify to God walking with me through the darkest times, including when it felt like those darkest times would never end. I expect, because I'm a realist, that I have more dark times ahead. And I certainly have dark times behind. But there's always hope. The dark times pass. They end. But God's blessings continue. And they are eternal. So let's gather together to study then sensitively and prayerfully knowing that some listening, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ, perhaps you, will be in anguish, maybe right this minute. And we honor those who suffer, and in humility we admit that we humans don't have all the answers. And towards the end of this sermon, I'm going to suggest some places to go for help if you're suffering or for advice if you know of others who are suffering. Let's bravely face the reality of life together while keeping our eyes locked on the one who makes everything worthwhile. And before going any further, let's pray. Father, you know better than any of us how these issues apply and affect us. Lord, more than ever, we need your, your spirit to guide our hearts and our thoughts and my words as we consider this together. Far be it from us to do any harm, 
Lord, let your word, your word do its work in our hearts. Amen. In 2013, a study found that depression was the predominant mental health issue globally. And the same year, a different study gave depression as the second leading cause of disability worldwide. In 26 countries, it came first. In 2017, as far as we know, about 20% of people in the UK had symptoms of anxiety or depression, one in five. To bring that home, let's imagine there are 50 people in the Freedom Church congregation. These statistics suggest that we could expect there to be 10 of us, 50, living with depression, anxiety, or both. But around 75%, three quarters of people with mental health problems in England don't have access to treatment. And people aged 18 to 44, depression is the leading cause of disability and premature death. And yet depression isn't normally recorded on a death certificate. Early reports on the impact of the pandemic and lockdown suggest that these figures would come out even worse today. This is pretty sobering, isn't it? So what is depression? It can be any or all of the following. Persistent low mood, feeling down most of the time. Loss of interest or pleasure in most things. Being unable to enjoy anything and having no drive. Feeling guilty or having low self-esteem. Having low energy or concentration. Having difficulty sleeping or eating and more. And our other topic, discouragement, what's that? It's not necessarily a mental health issue, but it could become one if it's persistent. A loss of confidence, reduced enthusiasm, despair in the face of obstacles, feeling disheartened, a sense of others' disapproval leading to avoidance of action, or being overcome by a sense of others' position. Now as Christians we know we aren't only physical beings, we are also spiritual, we have a soul. So in the Bible when people have symptoms of illness we can see that Jesus didn't limit his healing, his deliverance to just physical matters. For example in Luke 5 we read about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. This is Luke 5 verses 12 to 14. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses 
for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus didn't simply heal the physical illness, leprosy. He also told the man to obey the spiritual principles of the time that were associated to the illness, to leprosy. He told the man, go see the priest, make your offering, and this then became a public declaration of his healing. These days, we don't have to follow the law of Moses. We recognize, though, that there's more to our experience, including our illnesses, than just the physical realm. But we certainly do consider the physical. So in Matthew 9:12, Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Sick people need a doctor, don't they ever? <laughs> the Bible also says in James 5:14, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. So in looking at illness, in looking at depression, we consider both aspects. The physical need of the person, we have doctors for those, and the spiritual needs of the person. Generally, doctors have nothing to say about the spiritual needs, so we look to our faith, to the church, to our leaders, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and most of all, we look to our Savior, we look to God. And that's what we'll see the psalmist do as we read our passages today. Psalms 42 and 43. It's two chapters, but they are short and familiar. And I'm still a little bit loud. Sorry, everyone. Starting in Psalm 2 then. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will pray again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs praying to God who gives me life. O God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies, their taunts, break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And Psalm 43, declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. 
for you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, or in my case, with my guitar. O oh God, my God, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Sharon won't mind me telling you, at least I hope she won't mind, that she's had times this year of feeling dry spiritually. These seasons come and these seasons go. And a few weeks ago, Sharon was telling me how she'd been reading a Bible, and then after that she listened to some music by the legendary Christian songwriter Rich Mullins, a favorite of ours, long since passed to glory. And there was something about the combination of those two things. Reading the Word and listening to the godly music, that refreshed her deeply. Psalm 43, verse 4, I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you. In Psalm 42, the thirsty deer longs for streams of water. Water! I need water, it says. Talking deer, obviously. And in the same way that the deer desperately needs the water, the psalmist desperately needs God. The combination of the truth of God's word and the wisdom and beauty of songs directed to God and to our experience refreshed Sharon. Or as Lizzie testified this morning, the act of bringing thanksgiving to God refreshed her. Now, when we're talking about discouragement and particularly depression, we don't want to be naive. One of the features of depression can be that the things that used to refresh us don't anymore. Or we can't even work up the energy to try them. Still, let's remember that at the absolute core of our beings, we are spiritual people whose primary need is God. And his refreshing comes in many forms. Reading the Psalms isn't necessarily going to fix us. But it does show us that we're not alone. The psalmist experienced thirst, spiritual drought, depression, and discouragement. But time and time again, you see in the Psalms how the writers turn their eyes away from what discourages them and towards God. We aren't alone in our suffering. And I don't simply mean that Christ is always with us. He is. But I mean that other people now and throughout history have experienced what we're experiencing. 
and they've gone on to glorify God. We can do that too. What is it then that causes depression and discouragement? Well, there are probably as many causes as there are people suffering. There are causes recognized by science, and there are causes that we recognize as children of God who know his word. On the one hand, you have difficult circumstances, failure, chemical imbalances, a sense that all is not well. And on the other hand, you have spiritual oppression and the weakness of our flesh, our sinful nature. Medicine and therapy can address some of these causes, but not all. The secular world doesn't recognize that there is such a thing as demons, as spiritual battles, and it certainly doesn't recognize that we are fallen creatures living in a fallen world, suffering still from the impact of sin. And even though we are forgiven, the long-standing effects of sin remain. As the Bible tells us, Ephesians 6.12, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Galatians 5.17, and I'm sorry about this, the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that, the opposite, that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And Romans seven twenty one to 25. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. This is Paul, like the greatest apostle. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? But, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, please hear me clearly here. The last thing anyone suffering from depression needs to be told is that it's their fault or they're being punished in some way for their sin. That is not what these verses say. They speak of a tension, a battle, involving on the one side sin, death, the powers of evil, and on the other side, God 
and the glorious, unstoppable, irresistible, saving power of the living Lord Jesus Christ. From our vantage point within time and space, we're still feeling the effects of that battle. While this battle rages, while we continue to live in a fallen world, discouragement and depression will occur. But as Paul says clearly in Romans 7.25, the answer, the answer to all life's pain and anguish is Jesus Christ our Lord. And though the psalmists weren't yet aware of the name of Jesus, still they knew that we must praise God. Psalm 42, 4-5a. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Listen to the words of this song by Helen Lemel. You may not be familiar with the, the verses, but I bet you'll know the chorus. Verse 1, O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Through death into life everlasting he passed and we follow him there. Over us sin no more hath dominion, for more than conquerors we are. His word shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him and all will be well. Then go to a world that is dying his perfect salvation to tell. And the chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The answer, says Paul the Apostle, the answer echoes the songwriter Helen Lemel, is Jesus. So that's it then, Rob. All I need to do is read the Bible, sing some songs, and I'll be cured of depression. No, I am definitely not saying that, and neither does the Bible. Remember how I quoted Jesus near the start of this sermon, Matthew 9, 12. Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. We're very fortunate now that much of the stigma of mental illness has gone away. It's still uncomfortable to talk about and feels really personal, but we are at last able to recognize it as illness. And it's illness that can be alleviated and in some cases cured. God has sent us many innovative ways of dealing with depression and discouragement and of overcoming the symptoms and maybe even the causes. Back in 2018, I went through an extremely difficult time and an incredible stressful, incredibly stressful set of circumstances. And looking back, I see now how God prepared me in advance by teaching me, by telling me through conversations with other Christians that it's okay when you're overwhelmed to stop and seek help. 
I made a, an appointment to see my GP, which is a minor miracle in itself. And my GP was excellent, really sensitive and careful not to push on me anything on me and to be led by what I said. And he took me through a standard questionnaire which is used to identify anxiety and depression in a patient. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, I might just about register on the scale. It wasn't that bad. But no, I achieved high scores, <laughs> which clearly indicated that I was indeed suffering from clinical anxiety and depression. My GP told me there were a few options, and I said to him, I'll try anything, because I knew that for the sake of my family and for my own sake too, I needed to do whatever it would take to get through this. So my GP suggested three main options, antidepressants, cognitive behavioral therapy, and counseling. And I said, yes, please. <laughs> I've learned that doctors, therapists, and medicine are a gift of grace from God. I also discussed with my doctor the main set of circumstances that caused this illness. I told him that high on my agenda was changing those circumstances and he seemed relieved and he said he wasn't going to suggest that but it did seem to be a wise decision. I know that not everyone has the luxury of changing the circumstances that cause or contribute to depression. I went on antidepressants and unfortunately discovered that they didn't suit me at all. I tried two different medicines and they both caused terrible insomnia and some other counterproductive symptoms. So I stopped the medication. It's pretty hard to get better if you can't sleep. I went on a CBT introductory session and I was fascinated to note how many of the principles there were biblical. The premise of CBT is that improvement comes through a change in thinking, a change in belief about your circumstances. Romans 12.2 says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And Psalms 42 and 43 are all about changing our view. But of course, the difference between CBT and the Bible is that the CBT is lacking Christ. So while CBT is helpful and promotes good mental discipline, I'd suggest it's even more helpful when you bring Jesus back into the picture. I tried counseling too. I had three sessions with a skilled counselor, and I found the sessions, the conversations really helpful in identifying some of the fundamental reasons why I was feeling and reacting the way I did in the difficult circumstances. What I found with counseling too, there was a big gaping obvious hole. The counselor wouldn't talk about addressing sinful thoughts and attitudes. The counselor wouldn't consider the possibility of miraculous healing. And the counselor would never recommend committing all these issues to God in prayer. And so while I was trying all the options that medicine had to offer and giving them a fair chance, I was also seeking God's help in this, speaking and praying with fellow Christians, reading my Bible, 
worshipping God, walking through nature, which is one of the most magnificent and healing gifts he's given to us. And I should just say that many of those things I didn't feel like doing. I didn't feel like reading my Bible. I didn't feel like worshipping. I was walking almost zombie-like through nature. But sometimes the medicine is helping when we don't even know it. And with God's help, we were able to change the circumstances too. And even after all of that, it took months to recover. And this was a particularly traumatic time for Sharon, seeing her husband pretty much go through a personality change. As many of you know, we already live under substantial stress and pressure as a family, so this wasn't an experience any of us relished. But it was a profound reminder to us that God walks with us and he provides for us in so many different ways, none of which we should reject. Isaiah 43, verses 2 to 3a say, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume, me, consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. In the end, many things, all of them gifts from God, contributed to my recovery. The knowledge that Jesus walked beside me, whether I could feel his presence or not. The love and support of friends and family, most particularly my incredible wife. Medicine, though that wasn't hugely successful for me. Counseling, making a life change, and the miracle of time. All of those things came from my heavenly Father who loves me. James 1, 17 to 18. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Some of us need to hear that and believe it today. We, out of all creation, out of all the birds, out of all the mountains, out of all the trees, out of all the beauty, out of all the stars in the heaven, we became his prized possession. Do you have a prized possession? You take out sometimes and look at and go, this is wonderful. This is a gift from God. I quite like my guitar. I like to take it out of its case. That is a beautiful instrument. I can't play it very well, but it's a beautiful instrument. So much more. We, you, you all, all of us, are a prized possession of God. Even if you feel broken or distorted or warped, you are a prized possession. And he loves you right now, just as you are. In Psalms 42 and 43, there are two verses that are, I think, key to our survival 
key to us making it through times of depression or discouragement. And I draw your attention in particular to these two verses. The first is Psalm 42, verse. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. And the second key verse is Psalm 43, verse 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. In those two verses we have God's unfailing love, the praise and worship we bring to him in song, our conversation with him in prayer, the life he gives to us, and his light and truth, the guidance and wisdom we find in all the ways God speaks to us, especially through Scripture. Love, worship, prayer, life, Scripture. And though those things together may not instantly bring about a change in our life or in our feelings or our state of mind, they are a balm. They are a blessing. They comfort and sustain us. God, in his wisdom, doesn't always cure us immediately. But all, without fail, he walks with us and he understands. So in addition to these things suggested by the Psalms we've considered today, I said I would also suggest other places to go for support, whether you're suffering or you know of someone who's suffering and you want to understand and be a better friend. These are in no particular order. First, speak to a respected spiritual leader, particularly one with life experience. This is someone with insight and wisdom, and more importantly, someone you can trust to listen and respect your privacy, and someone who will pray with you. Similarly, speak to a trusted Christian friend Keeping these feelings and symptoms completely hidden takes energy and harms you. It can be frightening to open up and it leaves us vulnerable. But in the context of a trust relationship, it does you good to talk and to pray together about these things. But to the spiritual leader, or trusted friend in these two scenarios, I say one important thing, please listen. Don't dabble outside your expertise. This is something I learned as a solicitor in all those years ago. I did a lot of uh, private client work, probate, family law, conveyancing, and the Law Society repeatedly drilled into us, don't dabble outside of your area of expertise. Because that's how solicitors make mistakes and get sued and get struck off. So I didn't do intellectual property. I didn't do commercial law. That wasn't my experience. Spiritual leaders, Christian friends, if you're not a counselor, if you're not trained as one, don't pretend to be one. Don't try to operate as something you're not. There's no shame in admitting you don't know how to do CBT if you don't. 
What you are is a brother or a sister in Christ, and that's exactly what you need to be. Be a listening, prayerful confidant, and recognize your own limitations. One of your duties as a friend or a leader is to point the sufferer to the best care available. And by care, I mean the care available from Jesus and the care available through trained and trustworthy medical practitioners and therapists. There are often waiting lists for the medical services, so you can help your friend or church member to get themselves onto the waiting list. And metaphorically and literally, you can wait with them. So two sources of support so far, respected spiritual leader, trusted friend. Next, there are organizations that specialize in promoting mental health. Of these, I'd particularly recommend checking out the charity Mind, www.mind.org.uk. Mind's website has lots of very helpful information available. They also have, right at the top of their website, a button labeled, Get Now. If you need help, I'd suggest clicking that button. That service is a gift from God, whether they realize it or not. Other mental health charities you can consider include Rethink, www.rethink.org, and SANE, S-A-N-E, www.sane.org.uk. And finally, speak to your GP. In the UK, the GP is the gateway to many other services, including counselling and cognitive behaviour therapy services. A good GP can help you with antidepressants, including hopefully finding a medicine that agrees with you. Don't feel shy about seeking help or reaching out. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not a failure. Life is tough. Sometimes really tough. Right at the start, in Genesis chapter 2, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So speak to your pastor or your friend. Seek out advice from organizations like Mind. Speak to your doctor. And maybe read Psalms 42 and 43 to remind your soul that there is hope. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. And as the chorus of that song says, and I pray over you now, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father God, yes. Yeah, I have heard of them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, 
For, for the benefit of the uh, recording, um, Julie's mentioning Reach Christian Counselling Services. They're another organisation where they do actually have trained counsellors who also love Jesus, so that's very helpful. Let's pray. Father God, you know intimately what we are all going through. You have also felt what it is like to go through these things. When Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was experiencing such profound anxiety and depression that the sweat that came from his forehead was actually blood. So we don't suffer alone. We don't have a distant God who is unfamiliar with these things, and we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, for all the, all the different ways you have given for us to find healing, to find comfort, to find grace. But I also know, Lord, that talking and thinking about these things can itself be triggering. And I, I, I really hope that nothing that we have done, and I, I beg, Lord, that nothing that we have done today makes anything worse for any person. These are all my brothers and sisters, and God, I want your best for them. So, Lord, however this is affected, my brothers and sisters, please touch them and help them. And please give them the courage as well to find further help if that's what they need from any of those wonderful gifts that you give to us. Lord, you love us so much, and we are so grateful to you. Amen. Clearly, it's not appropriate just to walk on and forget all the things that have been said this morning. Um, it's quite possible that you yourself would benefit from praying with someone today, and that's going to be possible after the service. I think Keith will coordinate that, um, probably in the building or possibly outside, but discreetly away from others. We'll give you space and privacy if what you need is prayer. Okay, so just have a word with Keith after the meeting if that's what would help you. Thank you.